Before we start this episode, I would like to tell you about the Give Program. The Give Program is a nonprofit company raising money for local personal trainers and gyms who have lost their income due to COVID-19. The Give Program sells boxes of meat that are delivered right to your doorstep to save you the time and hassle of going to the grocery store. They have various options such as the original box, land and sea box, poultry box, and my personal favorite, the grill box. If you're in the Long Island or greater New York area, check out thegiveprogram.org to purchase your box of delicious, high-quality protein now. Use code EATRIGHT15 to save 15%. Make sure to use all caps. That's E-A-T-R-I-T-E-15. Welcome to the Eat Right Nutrition Podcast, where we partner with experts in the health, wellness, and nutrition field to deliver you an excellent variety of content based on real science, real facts, and real food. I'm your host, Daron. And I'm Nicole. And today we're going to talk about the ketogenic diet. Nicole. What's up? Let's talk about keto. Okay. Let's talk about what it is. Give me the lowdown. What's the history behind a ketogenic diet? Let's talk about the history because I think there's some confusion. I've heard some podcasts and I've heard some people talk about it was created in the 1970s. Um, It was created by Atkins, which I think was a a version, Dr. Atkins, which I think was a a version of the ketogenic diet. Wait, and that's what they use. That's what they said, or that is what it is. That is it. Some people have confusion on like, oh man, I'm trying this new ketogenic diet, or I'm trying keto, and it's it's new, and you know, it's some of that. New. It's something that tends to reemerge from time to time, kind of like mm-hmm. in, intermittent fasting. Like you know, a few years later, it's it's hot again. Yeah, but let's talk about the history. And in order to talk about the history of keto, we have to talk about the history of epilepsy. Okay. So what does epilepsy have to do with the ketogenic diet? So epilepsy is a neurological disorder. It's a quote unquote ancient brain phenomenon that dates back thousands of years ago. Okay. And our Neolithic ancestors actually drilled holes in people's skulls trying to get the bad stuff out. There's a practice known as trepanation. You know, it's funny. You look at like, oh, well, these are these are the people. These are the doctors. They're the medical professionals like that. They know what to do. Um, but obviously that didn't work <laughs> and it didn't get rid of epilepsy. Essentially epilepsy is a neurological disorder where you have frequent seizures. Mm-hmm. I think the origin of the ketogenic state in the body originates with Hippocrates. Okay. It was kind of one of those like by accident stumbled across Findings. this. Yeah. Yeah. So Hippocrates around 400 BC observed a patient that had seizures for five days straight. And it was so bad that this patient couldn't eat anything and ended up fasting. And by the sixth day of fasting, the seizures had stopped. Okay. Because the person fasted, they stopped? Because the person fasted. And that speaks to moving forward in history, where in 1911, two Persian doctors tried to use fasting as a treatment for epilepsy. Yep. That's interesting. So they went from trying to drill holes in your head. (laughs) 
that didn't work <laughs> to hey just don't eat anything to hey let's well not even just don't eat anything let's see well don't eat anything but then changing up their food became a, an option or not eating like, that's the, pretty cool right well as the late great hippocrates would say the famous quote let food be thy medicine and medicine exactly be i mean if that doesn't get you to think about what you're putting in your body, <laughs> I don't know what will. <laughs> I mean, food and nutrients and, you know, th these different things were used throughout history as medicine, as a way to treat certain disorders. And, yeah. you know, today we look at it a little bit differently. We look at like, oh, man, I'm going to get in shape. But, you know, even right. when, I, when I went to school for nutrition and dietetics, it's, you know, you take a full year of medical nutrition therapy. Mm -hmm. And it's essentially all, you know, biochemistry and, and physiology in certain diet strategies that will help people with certain conditions that they're living with. Yeah, I just I really wish that people could learn more about that or kids even coming through school would get that more of that opportunity just from a health standpoint. Well, if it was up to me, you know, I would I would lobby for k through 12 nutrition yeah, education like health health in school should be i mean we should teach kids how to read a food label you graduate college yeah. you still don't know how to read a food label well we've been listen my parents have have said that and taught us but my dad used to say the same thing about balancing a checkbook you know like kids need to learn about how to survive when they get out of school but that's a whole nother topic keep going a whole nother topic <laughs> maybe we'll start a um financial planning podcast Listen, I'd be great at that. All right. So let's fast forward, you know, about 10, 10 years later, 1921, two things happened. One, an endocrinology researcher named Roland Woodyat noted that the same chemical environment happened with both starvation and a diet that was very low in carbohydrates and very high in fat, which today is known as the ketogenic diet. And then two, Dr. Russell Wilder in 1921, he wondered, could a person get the health benefits of fasting without actually fasting? He and a few other doctors at the Mayo Clinic experimented with what Wilder called the ketogenic diet. That's where the term was coined mm -hmm. in the early 1920s. And it was meant to treat children with epilepsy. What they found was not only did these children improve with their epilepsy, but they also seemed to think and behave better as well. Yeah. So incredible. there is definitely something with the ketogenic diet and epilepsy, and we're not so sure on the mechanisms, um, but somehow the ketogenic diet seems to work with treating epilepsy and either reducing or eliminating seizures. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's, it's something great for, you know, these kids that are dealing with this and, you know, it's uncomfortable. You're having seizures, you're a parent, you're, you're afraid, right? You don't know what to do. Um, and we know today, you know, one of the other things we're not going to get into in this in this podcast, but we know today now we've got FDA approved CBD, which is also the only FDA approved uh, use for it on label use is also for epilepsy. So yeah. that seems to have some type of effect as well. Mm -hmm. Then you fast forward all the way to 1980. And now bodybuilders and physique athletes are curious about implementing the ketogenic diet for aesthetic purposes. Mm -hmm. Can I lose weight doing a ketogenic strategy? Is it optimal? 
during a bodybuilding. Uh, I know that Dave Palumbo, who is is and was a huge bodybuilding coach, you know, based out of here in New York, uh, he was a huge proponent of the ketogenic diet, him amongst some other coaches. Uh, and obviously there are different styles of doing it. So I think that's something that I want to touch up on is bodybuilders achieve their physiques mm -hmm. in many different ways. Some of them do it with keto and they like to take that strategy and others do it with moderate carbohydrates or low carbohydrates. And there's all different types of macronutrient compositions that you can forego to reach that goal that you want to achieve. Yeah. Well, I mean, what's interesting about that too, just how I think is you go from the medical side of things um, where they're using this strategy to heal things like epilepsy, especially in kids where exercise is not like a, a component to that, right? There's no, those, all, all the stuff you just mentioned before we hit 1980 had nothing to do with exercise or aesthetics. It was really just from a health standpoint. Now, 1980, these bodybuilders and physique competitors and whomever else is lumped into that, where exercise is now part of that, then kind of, to me, changes the game of how you're using it. But I think overall, you know, we've talked about on so many podcasts, there's so many ways to achieve your goal with different macronutrient compositions. This is just one of those ways that you can do it. It's another option. It is. And I'll just highlight this now instead of later. It's the the most important thing is what you can comply with or mm -hmm. the program that you can adhere to. Yeah. So let me talk a little bit about how the ketogenic diet works and where I think it kind of comes from and the evolutionary mechanisms that we've evolved to uh, to have, right? So from an, okay. from an evolutionary perspective, think about you're a hunter-gatherer. Um, it's very cold out. You're in a cold environment and you don't really have access to carbohydrates, which would come from fruits and grains and legumes and things like that. Your body had to develop a alternate mechanism to metabolize and create energy, right? So mm -hmm. under normal circumstances, your brain and central nervous system will, will function primarily on glucose. Pretty much all of the cells, your red blood cells, they need glucose. Uh, your muscle cells, your liver cells, they store carbohydrates for energy as glycogen. Mm -hmm. And then when we've got excess calories or excess carbohydrates, they tend to be you know, converted into fat and then stored in fat cells. Now, if we don't have the availability of carbohydrates, our body had to, from an evolutionary perspective, create an alternate source of fuel. And that was ketones. So essentially what would happen is if you're in a fasting state mm -hmm. and you just don't have food available, right? The, the Neolithic or Paleolithic man would sometimes go days without food. They would have to be able to fuel their brain mm -hmm. and the brain, you know, you got to protect the brain and the brain needs to be able to think and act so that you can survive. So in order to fuel the brain, if carbohydrates weren't available or if food wasn't available, you can create ketones. And the two ways that you can create ketones is by fasting or by having high fat, very low carbohydrate diet. And those okay. ketones will be used to fuel the brain and fuel various different cells in your body. The only cells that will still need glucose are really your blood, your red blood cells. And the reason being is that they don't have a mitochondria. So any cell in your body that has a mitochondria can use ketones for energy. Mm -hmm. 
Now, this just allowed you to survive through those times of either famine or just lack of food availability. Mm -hmm. So it's really just another mechanism to make sure you survive. That makes sense. So that's where essentially that's the ketogenic diet. That's what it does. Uh, There are some, you know, keto zealots or keto proponents that will be like, oh, man, keto is the greatest thing in the world. Right. And they talk about the benefits of the ketogenic diet. And they say it's optimal for weight loss. It's optimal for fat loss. And then they'll talk about insulin is bad because insulin is a storage hormone. Right. Mm-hmm. And getting in too many carbohydrates is carbohydrates are bad for you. Right. And I feel better doing keto. And that's great for them. If, if you feel better doing keto, then by all means, do it. I'm mm-hmm. I want to take the most non-biased approach with this. I've done yeah. keto myself. And How did that go for you. There were a few things that I found. One thing was that I was hungry because the volume of food that I was eating was lower because you have to keep in mind things like nuts and seeds and avocados and oils. All of your fat sources are going to be a smaller volume for a bigger caloric intake. And I just Mm -hmm. felt like I was taking in. I was in a caloric deficit and I was trying to lose body fat. Did I successfully lose body fat? Yes, I probably, if I remember correctly, lost about 10% body fat. Mm-hmm. And I was super successful doing it. Uh, some of the drawbacks for me was a I was hungry. B, I wasn't as strong as I would have liked to be. It was it was harder to maintain my strength. So this is the workout part I want to talk about. Yep. It's harder to build muscle mm-hmm. on a ketogenic diet uh, because insulin and carbohydrates aid in building muscle. Mm-hmm. One of the benefits that I found which is something that anecdotally I hear a lot of people say with the ketogenic diet is I felt like my brain really functioned optimally and functioned well, but the drawbacks, you know, when you weigh the pros and cons, it just wasn't, it wasn't for me long-term. I'd rather eat carbs. Sustainable. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So with a ketogenic diet, if you're trying to gain muscle and I've heard some proponents say after long periods of time of doing keto, you can build muscle. And yes, that may be possible. Uh, but okay. you're also consuming lower protein. So yeah. I think me... that that's a misconception. I think people think it's a higher protein intake on ketogenic and it's not. Right. So let me run down what my keto strat- strategy looked like. And okay. I have done a ketogenic diet with clients that have wanted to try it because I'm like, hey, if you're going to do it, let's at least do it the right way. Exactly. And me see too. if it yeah. works for you and see if it fits for you. Mm hmm. What it would typically look like is 70% fat, 20% protein, 10% coming from carbohydrates or trace carbohydrates. Okay. Now, if I broke that down in a 2000 calorie diet, this would look like 155 grams of fat per day, 100 grams of protein per day, and 50 grams of carbs per day. Now, what I find is for most people, anywhere from around 50 to 80 grams of carbohydrates or anywhere lower than 80 grams of carbohydrates is kind of the threshold. For some people, it's under 50 grams of carbohydrates to keep them mm-hmm. in a ketogenic state. For me, I did around 50. There's a lot to keep in mind. So when I was doing keto, there was definitely a learning curve. And I definitely I wanted to try it. So I knew the, How things, to, the things to do, the things not to do. Right. Yeah. And I think one of the big misconceptions is I'm going to lose weight just eating high fat and they don't monitor their protein. And they're just like, I'm just going to eat no carbs. Right. And the issue with that is at the end of the day, a caloric deficit is what's going to be important. So if you're just going to eat a bunch of fat and not track your total 
caloric intake throughout the day, right? You're not going to get anywhere. You're not going to lose what you need to. I'll tell you what you will lose up front. You'll lose water weight. You'll well, you'll lose water weight because along you lose water weight. You just said say that. Yeah. So so initially and this is the thing with the with the ketogenic diet. And this was the same thing with Atkins. Like people were like, oh, man, I lost like 10 pounds in two weeks. And I'm like, you stopped eating carbs. So your body depleted Mm -hmm. all of its glycogen or most of its glycogen. And Mm -hmm. you with with glycogen, right? For every one molecule of glycogen, you store three molecules of water. Mm -hmm. Right. So all that glycogen comes out and so does all that water. So Mm -hmm. the first 10 or 15 pounds that you're losing is going to be water weight. Yeah. The reason why you want to keep it low protein is because your body has a process called gluconeogenesis where it will break down protein to create carbohydrates. Your body wants to create carbohydrates. So Mm -hmm. now there are proponents that will say, and I didn't get to this point with myself, but there are proponents that will say, you know, after a while, you can start to build up your protein as your body becomes quote unquote kind of fat adapted. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get away with eating more protein. But when you're trying to get into that ketogenic state, if you're Initially. eating too much protein, your body will turn protein to take protein and convert it into carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. And it won't put you in that ketogenic state. Got so you it. won't be doing what your intention is. Yeah. Well, how long did you do it for? I want to say I was on it for about three months. That's a pretty good amount of time to like. Yeah, I definitely saw the results from it and and mm-hmm. I stuck it through. And the other thing is your energy levels in the beginning. Or You're tired like, because your body's well, like, all right, I've got no source of energy. And then it's got to ramp up to produce ketones. That takes time. Right. Yeah. So you have to kind of give it time. Some people call it like the keto flu, like I'm tired. Yeah, I feel like yeah, crap, yeah. right? I don't know if I really felt like that, but there's uh, definitely an aspect where you're low on energy for a bit. And then there's that kind of swing upwards where you're like, man, I got tons of energy. I feel great. Yeah. As your body adapts, like with anything else. Yeah. So your body starts, your liver starts manufacturing these ketones and you start using them for energy. Mm-hmm. Now, the other thing that I found with keto on from the carb end is there are a lot of carbs. Like I was eating cashews, for example, mm-hmm. and cashews, I can I was like, man, they're high in fat. But then I realized when I was logging in my food journal that I was hitting way over on my on my carbs for the Mm -hmm. day because I was eating these cashews and they're relatively high. They're not high in carbs, but they're relatively high in carbs compared to other fat sources like macadamia nuts, super high in fat. One ounce is 20 grams and you've got Mm -hmm. like one gram of carbs. Yeah. So you do Uh, still have to pay attention to the types of food that you're choosing. You have to pay you have to pay even closer attention, mm-hmm. right? You have to go through your diet with a fine tooth comb and say, mm-hmm. OK, where am I getting carbs from? And you yeah. have to track, right? You can't yeah. just say, cool, I'm going to eat nuts and seeds and I have some oils and I have <laughs> avocados and I eat coconut. Right. And and I'm going to get some protein in and, and that's all I need to do because yeah. you can still go over on your carbohydrates that are going to take you out of a ketogenic state. Yeah. Which is such a great learning experience, like anything else when you journal. Yeah. And it was good for me from a coaching perspective, because I'm like, I if I'm going to help people do this, I have to know what's going to take them over and what's not. Right. Right. And rather than just look at their food journal and try and figure it out, let me do it on myself. Yep. And what I will say on the ketogenic diet is, like we said, compliance and adherence is everything. It's very limiting. You can't eat fruits. You can't eat grains. There are some starchy vegetables that you can't eat. You can't have, uh, let's say, butternut squash or, or anything that's going to have a higher carbohydrate composition. Like I wasn't doing rice. Instead of doing rice, I would do uh, uh, cauliflower rice, which was fine. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I would oftentimes do that and mix that with the, uh, with broccoli, right. Mm-hmm. And do a kind of mix with that. You can't have legumes. You can't have potatoes. Uh, and yeah, crushing like, my life here. <laughs> and like we just mentioned, not all nuts are going to fit in that. Yeah. The other piece to that is you have to keep in mind that if you're depleting so much water, mm-hmm. right? Like I had to pee a lot when I was doing keto initially Yeah. because my body was just getting rid of all that water. When you're depleting that water, you're also depleting electrolytes, which can become mm-hmm. very dangerous. Yeah. So I would oftentimes, if a client wanted to, and I thought could adhere with a ketogenic diet, oftentimes I would say, you're going to have to get a ton of nuts and seeds in that are high in magnesium and high in other minerals. You're going to have to get your leafy greens in to get in your potassium. And you may also want to supplement with additional minerals because you're not getting those things. And especially your electrolytes, Mm -hmm. sodium, right? Mm -hmm. You want to put salt on things. Yeah. And you want to make sure you're consuming magnesium because if you don't, if for, if you're doing this for a long period of time, yeah, over time and you're not getting your minerals in, that's going to offset your heart rhythm. Yeah. Right. So you want to make sure that if you're doing the ketogenic diet, you're doing it in, in the right way, in the safe way. And you're accounting for all things. Yeah. You're not just like, Hey, I just read this random book or listened to this random podcast from somebody that you know, touted the ketogenic diet and I don't know what I'm doing. Okay, great. I just need to eat fat and not eat carbs. Yeah. Well, that's where things that start from a health standpoint in terms of medicine and people that are, have disease, they're usually monitored and tracked by a doctor that's, you know, walking them through and making changes as they go, or at least monitoring the rest of their health as a whole. When you dip into just being from an aesthetic standpoint, all that goes right out the window. And to your point, it can be dangerous if you're not paying attention to what you're doing and how you're doing it. Yeah. And also keep in mind that something like epilepsy, like that's where we have the vast amount of research that mm-hmm. is is supporting the ketogenic diet and its use. Yeah. With weight loss and metabolism, we have some research, but I kind of want to dive into that because mm-hmm. we've got research on the effects of the ketogenic diet on metabolism mm-hmm. and weight loss. And how, you know, it's an alternate source of fuel um, for all your cells that have a mitochondria. I see this and I, I, I've looked at this and I used to, I, when I first kind of started researching the, the ketogenic diet, I'm like, oh man, look at all the positive benefits. It actually increases the number of mitochondria that your body has. So keep in mind, mm-hmm. those of you who've taken a biology class, you know, the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell, right? That's where energy is produced. It increases the number of mitochondria that you have, and it also increases the efficiency of those mitochondria. Mm-hmm. Now, you're like looking at this study or looking at Thank this article that somebody wrote, and you're like, oh my God, this is great, right? And it makes sense because, but going back to that evolutionary perspective, you, your demand to be able to produce energy from a different fuel source, when your body's kind of shifting into that alternate fuel source, Your body has to become more efficient at processing that energy, Mm -hmm. right? But when you look at other studies and you say, okay, well, you know, I I would advise our listeners who are, you know, want want to do keto for these supposed benefits to just look at, just Google different ways to increase mitochondria or increase mitochondrial efficiency. Mm -hmm. And what you'll find is you can replicate that through cardiovascular training. You can rep- right? You can <laughs> replicate that through resistance training. Mm-hmm. You can also replicate that through creating a caloric deficit that is thirty percent 
or more. Mm-hmm. And, and potentially, same. so, I mean, that's from the studies <laughs> that I've seen, right? With, with a 30% caloric deficit, you can, your body will have a demand to produce more energy for you mm-hmm. and create more mitochondria and more efficient mitochondria, right? So that mitochondrial kind of DNA changes. I don't know if like maybe at 20%, it's, if that's different, but just living an active lifestyle mm-hmm. and not over consuming calories are going to create that favorable environment for you. Yeah. So for people who are like, look at all of the benefits that keto does, like, why wouldn't you want to do just this? I don't buy it because there are plenty of other ways to create an optimal environment inside of your body. Yeah. And I just feel, I can't, you listen, everybody's body is different and everybody's going to experience it different. Like, I, I, listen, you listen, you can't have potato. You can't have this. You can't, like, I, I don't even want to try that. I don't even want to try it simply because I love carbohydrates and I literally, I don't even want to take them out to try to see what keto would do for my body because that's not even something that sounds appealing to me to even give a shot. You know well, what I mean? Because you're Italian and your mother's cooking <laughs> pasta every other every day. night. Yeah. But I'm just saying like, so when you talk about adherence, you say those things and I hear that and go, nah, I'll rather just monitor my carbohydrates, go maybe moderate to low and pay attention to it in a different way and keep my, you know, all the other things that you just, that we listed. I don't want to take that stuff out. I don't want to go in my mind. That's an extreme that I don't need to do in order to still be healthy and fit and strong. So it really depends on the person. And I think where they're starting from in terms of their health, where they want to get to and how they want to get there. So it's different for everybody. It doesn't make it good or bad. It really is just about. It's what's good for you. Yeah. It's what you can stick to. I've used it with um, two of my menopausal women and it's been extremely successful. Yeah. And they came to me and like, well, well, we had been talking about it for a couple months, especially when some um, when estrogen starts to really drop and they become more insulin resistant. Can I give this a try? What do you think? And I was like, well, let's give it a try. I, I know they would adhere to it. I know, you know, they're great clients and and they really uh, wanted to give it a shot. And to your point, I wanted them to do it with me so that we could make sure we were paying attention to all the things that they were doing, how they were doing it. And also from an exercise standpoint, I tracked so much of their hunger, their energy and their cravings during the time before and after they lifted, because at the time we were using more carbohydrates pre and post workout. So as those things started to change and drop, you know, it's a great learning experience in that capacity, which I do like. Now, you you brought back up the exercise piece, and I want to touch up on mm-hmm. that, too, because I you know have a buddy of mine that owned a CrossFit, and I was working doing nutrition courses, te- teaching nutrition courses at his CrossFit. And he's like, hey, man, like my members want to know about keto. They're interested in it. They, they want to do it. And I'm yeah. like, they're CrossFitters, right? So because you touched up on that exercise piece, I want to jump into that. High-intensity okay. interval training, you're mm-hmm. not going to be able to do that with a ketogenic diet, period. Yeah. You cannot do it. And the reason being is because when your heart rate goes up, the demand for glucose goes up. And then if you don't have glucose, what's going to happen? That process of gluconeogenesis, breaking down protein into carbohydrates Mm -hmm. is going to happen. Where is that protein coming from? It's going to come from muscle. So you are going to lose muscle in order to create energy for those high intensity intervals. Yeah, it's not for everybody. So what my recommendation is, if you're doing a ketogenic strategy, and you want to do some cardio, it's going to be low impact, low intensity. Yeah, less. Definitely. 
the other thing I want to touch up on is the other thing that I see a lot of people do with the ketogenic diet is the types of fats they're eating. Yeah. Like you're not eating beef and cheese <laughs> and like right. cream cheese and butter all day. Peanut butters like, and yeah. It's it's not you still have to have a good balance of healthy fatty acids. You still want to mm -hmm. consume your omega-3 fatty acids. You, uh, you don't want to create this this inflammatory environment where you're just eating a ton of saturated fat, a ton yeah. of just things that aren't the uh, crap you know ref refined seed oils things like, yeah. like oh, i'm just gonna put salad dressing on everything because it's <laughs> canola oil in it. you know you you want to pay attention the other thing is you know and you could take it a step further i don't think that you have to test ketones but if you really want i was going to ask you about that yeah so if you really want to get specific there's three ways to test ketones they're based on the ketones that you're producing so the first ketone in the body that you're producing is acetoacetate Mm -hmm. that gets spilled into your your urine right and this is something where the the urine strips were initially created for diabetics mm -hmm. to test for ketoacidosis where you have a acidic environment in your body combined mm -hmm. with high blood sugar which is very dangerous so i don't want to mm -hmm. confuse ketoacidosis for ketosis or or nutritional ketosis right mm -hmm. um there are two different states in the body one is a very dangerous state and you you need to get medical attention and the other one is just hey i put my body in this state of ketosis so your body will create acetoacetate you will pee that out it will go onto a strip and it's a color strip and mm -hmm. you know like He's litmus checking. paper and and it will uh tell you you know roughly around the range of where your ketones are now that will work for the beginning phases of your keto but then once you start to become a little bit more uh, fat adapted, you want to use a breath test or more commonly use a uh, blood test. Your breath test, you're looking at what you're converting it into. So you're converting acetoacetate, which is your ketone body, into either beta-hydroxybutyrate or acetone or acetate. And that's going to be exhaled. And now your blood strips, you're also going to be testing for beta-hydroxybutyrate. If you want the most accurate test, you go on Amazon, you can order a blood tester where you prick your finger, just like you do yeah. if you're diabetic. Yeah. I, and that's going to tell you how many ketones you have in your body and you know where you are. And there, there are ranges that you want to be in. I forget mm -hmm. off the top of my head, but there are ranges that you want to be in that are like moderate ketones in your body that are enough to fuel your body and you know that you're in that state. Yeah. So that's testing. If you really want to get real specific and real dialed down with your ketogenic strategy, mm -hmm. by all means, I support testing. Just keep in mind that those those P strips, they're only going to be good for the first little chunk of your keto diet. And then you're going to yeah. stop peeing them out. You're going to start using those ketones. They're going to be in your blood and you're going to convert those ketones into uh, beta hydroxybutyrate, which you're not peeing those out anymore. Mm -hmm. So you're going to want a different method of testing. Yeah, that is the. I guess the most non-biased approach I could take on keto, I'm not necessarily a keto advocate or I'm also not a, I'm not not a keto advocate, I guess I would, <laughs> I would say. You're not anti-keto. No, I'm, I'm pro whatever works for you. But you, you have to do it right. I mean, keep in mind that when we're looking at studies on fat loss all across the board, whether you're doing a ketogenic diet, you know, high fat, low carb, high carb, low fat, 
uh, if you're doing a 40, 30, 30, right? 40% carbs, 30% fat, 30% protein. If you're even doing higher protein than that and, and kind of playing around with those numbers, if you're doing intermittent fasting, if you're carb cycling, all of these things will work in the right situation. Mm -hmm. The caloric deficit is really what the studies show is what is going to drive weight loss and fat loss. Mm -hmm. It's going to be calories in versus calories out. It's going to be energy expenditure versus, you know, intake. Mm -hmm. And the, the biggest thing is which deficit are you able to comply with? Yeah. Right. How do you do it? Because in, in the long run, you want to set yourself up for long-term lifestyle change. You want to be able to take the weight off and you want to keep it off. Mm -hmm. And then we get back to, and I'm going to reference the last episode that you and I did on reverse dieting. Yep. Because coming out of a ketogenic diet, there's a couple of things that you also want to keep in mind as well. You're in a caloric deficit, which we talked about. If you're in a caloric, caloric deficit for a prolonged period of time, or you've reached your goal and now you've got new goals, you want to make sure that you are strategizing how you're going to get back up to maintenance calories. And with a ketogenic diet, it's going to be strategizing. If you're going to come out of a ketogenic diet, strategizing, how are you going to start to slowly increase your carbs? Now with keto- How did you do that when you started to change? Honestly, I just ate them. Really? <laughs> I, I just ate them. I was done. I was done with it. Like I was like, you know, I did it. I didn't do it because I was like, I have to take this weight off and I need to keep yeah. it off. And and like I had a bunch of weight, like I just did it because I was like, I just want to see what this is about. Yeah. So by the time I was done, I was like, all right, I, I want to build some muscle. So I just went right up. I went right back up to 40, 30, 30. Yeah. And I went up to my new maintenance and I was like, all right, cool. I'm good with this. Let me start building muscle. Now, you want to keep in mind that you're going to put back on that water weight. And yeah. this is this was the thing with Atkins, right? Atkins mm -hmm. did reintroduce carbohydrates. But the issue was that people were so successful in the phase one with their weight loss. Mm -hmm. And then when they started increasing carbohydrates, they'd put on a bunch of weight and it was water weight. Yeah. And they'd freak out and say, oh, no, I'm staying in phase one. They never actually completed the Atkins diet. Yeah. It's something that you want to keep in mind. The weight that you're going to gain, if you're coming out of a ketogenic diet versus coming out of a caloric deficit in, you know, a moderate carbohydrate. Yeah, I was going to say it's no different. You have to give your body it's, a chance. It's, it's no different, but the water weight or the weight, the potential to gain weight is more likely coming out of a ketogenic strategy if you're going to start eating carbohydrates again because you're going to put on water weight. You're not putting on fat. You're putting on water. Right. So you have to be mentally prepared coming out of that and say, okay, yeah. it's not fat. It's just a number on the scale. I can yeah. test my body fat. I can see how my clothes fit. I can mm -hmm. do uh, measurements with a tape measure. And that'll kind and of keep give you yourself check. time to adjust just and like you yourself, did at the beginning and give yourself time. You know what I will say about the ketogenic diet when I did it is that probably best poops of my life. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. It was it. Yeah, they were good. They were smooth. That's, they were they were like the, you know, no, one, no, you know, <laughs> we don't need details. Jerome. Best one, poop is enough. One, one wipe and done. <laughs> And all silliness aside, just because we talk about poop all the time, it really does make a difference. You know, from a gut standpoint, we talk about when you poop, how you poop, what type of poop. And that tells us a lot about how healthy you are. So it is that is a, a, a piece of this. that's important, you know, to talk about, you know, overall, it's good. Um, I, I had a pretty good experience with it. I, the hunger piece just kind of drove me nuts a little bit because the volume yeah. of food that I was eating was a lot lower. Mm -hmm. Well, you're uh -huh. so used to the bodybuilder 
I was eating, you know, big meals and, and, yeah. and frequent with, with a decent amount of grains mm-hmm. and the, the transition from the types of proteins that I was choosing. Yeah. Because I'm like, all right, well now I need lower protein for the percentage of fat that I'm taking in. Mm-hmm. So I had to really strategize that like chicken breast. It's like, well, why would I do that? Yeah. I'm going to get such a, you know, tiny amount and I got to add a bunch of extra fat. So, you know, mm-hmm. things like chicken thigh drumsticks. Yeah. Um, I did some beef. I did a, a decent amount of ground turkey was was mm-hmm. a lot of what I did. Uh, and I found what I even recommend to clients that don't do a ketogenic diet. I found a lot of healthier oils. Yeah. So a lot of healthier dressings and stuff. So I found um, and I'm going to plug them and I should be getting paid for this. But um, <laughs> I've, I found uh, a Primal Kitchen. Yeah, love them. Uh, dressings. Yeah, and so good. I found, uh, you know, chosen chosen foods, which I kind of thought was like a, a rip off of Primal Foods, like Primal Foods came out and then Chosen mm-hmm. Foods came out, I think. And then I was doing the, the I did a few of the like just to snack on the Primal Kitchen bars. Mm-hmm. And the difference is between that and why I like those versus your traditional salad dressings. They have all the same flavors of salad dressings that you would normally find. Yeah. But they don't have a ton of sugar. They don't have any sugar. No in them. sugar. Mm-hmm. It's all real ingredients. Mm-hmm. And, and they're, they taste delicious. They taste amazing. They use avocado oil instead of using a ton of refined seed oil. Yeah, I uh, love their salad dressings. So just overall, you know, like we talked about with with creating that inflammatory environment in your body, right? And like we always talk about with the, the balance of omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids, mm-hmm. consuming a ton of refined seed oils through processed foods, processed mm-hmm. salad dressings, those things are not going to be too great. And I usually recommend get something with avocado oil in it that doesn't contain canola oil or soybean oil or things like that. I just think overall, it's going to be better towards getting that healthy ratio of omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. Agree. But outside of that, that's the ketogenic diet. That's the strategy. In a nutshell, you really have to monitor and track is really important. You can't just kind of willy-nilly go through it and say, Hey, I'm just eating a bunch of fat and getting some protein in. You really have to know what you're doing. Does it have benefits? Yes. Are the benefits unique to keto? No. If it's something that you can comply with and you you think you could stick to or you want to try, I encourage you to try it. Outside of that, I mean, that's it. That's keto. Ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoyed this episode, click subscribe, give us five stars and comment, share this with a friend, and you'll hear us next week.